Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is David Benjamin, your host of the Healthy, Wild, and Free podcast. Today we have a guest who is the author of The Emotion Code. His name is Dr. Bradley Nelson. He's the developer of the most advanced form of energy medicine on the planet, a holistic chiropractic physician and medical intuitive. Dr. Nelson is one of the world's foremost experts in the emerging fields of bioenergetic medicine and energy psychology. His best-selling book, The Emotion Code, is helping people all over the world to improve their lives by ridding themselves of their imbalancing emotional baggage. Users of the Emotion Code technique have found freedom from emotional problems such as depression, anxiety, amongst other things, as well as physical problems including fatigue, pain, and disease. A key element of the Emotion Code is removing emotional baggage that has been clustered around the heart, interfering with one's ability to find love and success. Dr. Nelson has coined this cluster of emotions the heart wall and it has been called the most important discovery in the history of energy medicine. Dr. Nelson graduated with honors from Life Chiropractic College West in San Lorenzo, California in 1988. As a practicing holistic physician, Dr. Nelson specialized in helping those suffering from chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia and successfully treated patients from across the United States and Canada until his retirement from active practice in 2004. For the past 24 years, Dr. Nelson has lectured internationally on the healing of chronic and incurable disease through energy work and restoring balance to the six key elements of health in the body. In 2009, he channeled in his life's work into a simple yet powerful self-study course known as the Body Code, the Body Code System, which teaches students how to balance the body in six key areas. The Body Code is being used successfully by doctors and lay people alike to improve the health of thousands of people all over the world. Dr. Nelson is an acclaimed and popular speaker on the international seminar circuit and now travels to many countries around the globe teaching the Emotion Code seminar. He has been a guest on countless radio and television shows and has presented his very timely healing message to millions around the world. Dr. Nelson and his staff operate a network of certified Emotion Code and Body Code practitioners that spans the globe. Since all of Dr. Nelson's methods can be done at a distance, most of the practitioners have found new freedom and abundance in their own lives by working with clients over the phone or internet. To find out more about the Emotion Code and the Body Code, visit Dr. Nelson at healerslibrary.com, which is a membership, a membership site providing instructional videos, books, articles, live webinars, and more. Dr. Nelson is married and is a father of seven children. He lives with his, life, he lives with his family in southern Utah. Wow, seven children. Yeah, you're, you're definitely busy. How are you doing today, Dr. Nelson? <laughs> Thanks, David. Yes, I, I've been busy actually for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. That's a lot of work. Uh, I, I want to start the interview like I start all interviews and ask you, how did you get into the holistic health and healing side of things? Well, you know, that's a really good question. Uh, when I was 13 years old, I had kidney disease, and uh, there was nothing that could be done for me uh, medically. And I was getting these horrific pains in the back uh, that would put me on the ground. It, was, it felt like somebody was just sticking a knife in my back. And my kidneys were forming scar tissue, and they were hemorrhaging on a low level all the time. And, and uh, this thing just hit me totally out of the blue, and nothing could be done. And I was either going to get well or not. There was really no treatment for it. And so my folks decided they would take me to see um, – some alternative doctors, some holistic doctors back then. And there weren't very many holistic doctors back then, but uh, they took me to see these two doctors and they worked on me. And uh, they, uh, they basically 
cured me. I mean, it only took a few weeks and uh, the pains were just so much less severe and further and further apart. And, and uh, pretty, pretty soon I'd forgotten that I'd ever been sick. And so my folks took me back to the medical doctors and they ran the test again and they said, well, this is spontaneous remission. It's remarkable. Whatever we did must have worked. And, you know, they hadn't done anything. And so, <laughs> so that was when I decided that's what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a healer. I wanted to, uh, to go into the healing arts. And it was an interesting contrast for me because I'd been to the big, the big gleaming stainless steel clinic, you know, with millions of dollars and they could do nothing for me. And then I went to these other people who practiced in a trailer house in a muddy field out on the edge of town <laughs> and, uh, and they fixed me. So I decided at 13 years old, that's what I wanted to do with my life. And if I needed to practice out in the middle of a muddy field on the edge of town, that was okay with me. Uh, that was fine because I, I was just interested in trying to help people eventually. And well, I got involved in, um, in computer programming and I got involved in business and, and so my dream of being a healer started to fade. And uh, eventually, uh, I, had, uh, I was about two months away from going into the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the master's program in business at, uh, at Brigham Young University. And my wife and I went home to Montana. And we were sitting around with my parents. And my dad, out of the blue, said to me, are you sure you don't want to go into the healing arts, go to chiropractic school? You've always wanted to do that. And I said, no, I'm going this other direction. And he said, well, why don't you think about it one more time? And so I said, well, uh, okay, all right, I will. And so I did, and, um, and I, I prayed for help and guidance, because at that point, I thought I had figured it out. And then suddenly, uh, because of my father's uh, remarks to me, suddenly I found myself uh, back in the middle of the fence again. I didn't know what I was going to do. So I got on my knees that night, and I prayed, and I asked God if he had anything to say about this, and I, that I was open, I would do whatever. And that night I had this interesting experience where I was awakened three different times to find my mind full of uh, warm and happy uh, thoughts about going into the healing arts. And, and I would wake up and feel those feelings and then I would think, well, yeah, but, you know, computers and I'd fall back asleep because I was really, really into programming and computers and so on. So the next day I still wasn't convinced, got on my knees again that night and on that second night, um, that night totally changed my whole life because on that second night I was awakened three more times to find my mind full of those same kinds of feelings, uh, really happy thoughts of how great it is to be able to serve people. But it, it became more and more powerful on that second night so that it's hard to describe this, but it, the power of the feelings that I had when I was awakened each time were geometrically stronger than the time before. So that on the third time on that second night I was awakened, and I mean the thoughts of service to mankind and humanity and serving the world were just absolutely overwhelming. And at that moment, David, I actually heard a voice that spoke to me as clearly as anything I've ever heard in my life, as clearly as I'm speaking to you right now, and it said, this is a sacred calling. And I, I knew that was my answer, and so... Off I went, and I totally set aside that other career that I thought I was going to do, and I went to chiropractic school. And when I got out of school, I got in the habit. I figured God had gotten me into this, this uh, situation, and now he needed to help me. And so, um, so every time someone would come in, I would try to take just a few seconds 
and ask for some help from that higher power. And I came to believe that, that that's really where the healing source is, that I believe the highest duty of the healer is to actually connect to that higher power. And then the healer simply acts as a go-between. And I believe and I know that we have a, a father in heaven who loves us and wants to help us, but he, he allows us to help each other. But if we ask for his help, then we can channel his help in a sense. Uh, we, can, um, we can be the instrument in his hands to help people. And so that's what happened. Well, as time went on, uh, 17 years of doing this, uh, working with people day in and day out, having all kinds of different problems, um, I found that, uh, that there were times when someone would come in to see me and I didn't know what to do. Or it was something I'd never seen before, or something I couldn't figure out. And I would offer that silent, short prayer for help. Nobody ever knew I was doing that. It was a totally private, silent thing. There were times when the information about what that person needed would just flood into my mind. And it was the most amazing thing. And there were, um, and sometimes it was a completely different way of looking at things than I had ever even considered before. And so as time went on, I was able to, um, to really begin to understand what really goes wrong with people. Why do we lose our health? You know, in the West, uh, when we have a symptom of some kind, uh, typically, what do we do? Well, we go to a doctor and we say, doctor, I've got this symptom. I've got these headaches or I've got this other problem or this rash or whatever it is. And typically what the doctor will do is he will look at that to see if anybody's ever seen that before and to see if anybody's ever put a name on that problem. And if anybody has, then he'll tell you, oh, this is, this is von Munchkin's syndrome. It's whatever. You know, there are all kinds of names and that's what diagnoses really are. They're putting a name on a set of symptoms. But I wasn't interested in symptoms. You see, as a holistic doctor, uh, I didn't have uh, the license to give people medications to suppress their symptoms. And that's what Western medicine usually does. I didn't have a license to do surgery on people, so I couldn't do that. And I was left with this dilemma of actually having to figure out what's really wrong with people. What is really causing their symptoms? Because uh, if people don't have any symptoms of any kind, generally they're not going to go see a doctor, okay, for the most part, right? Mm-hmm. But if people have symptoms, there are underlying causes. And so, you know, a great example of this is a woman who came into me who uh, uh, she had picked up one of her kids and hurt her back. And uh, she had a baby that I think was getting a little big for her. And she came in, and so I was talking to her, and she told me that uh, she had a migraine headache that had been going on for three weeks. And she was taking four different heavy-duty medications for it. It was really severe. And she'd had migraines for 19 years. And so when I was checking her, I found that she had a misalignment uh, of a bone at the base of her skull. And I told her about it and asked her if it was okay if I went ahead and realigned that bone. And I did. And suddenly, her migraines were gone. And uh, they, they never did come back. And she was, she was pretty upset that in all of those years, nobody had ever really figured out what the underlying cause was. People had just thrown uh, medication at her to try to address the symptoms. Well, what I found is that that kind of thing is really, really common in the uh, world that we live in. And uh, what I found was that uh, the underlying cause of things is almost always 
emotional. In other words, there is usually emotional baggage at the root of our illnesses. And whether those illnesses are pain, um, like low back pain or neck pain or knee pain or headache, pain, migraines, whatever it is, or malfunction of some kind of system in the body like asthma or digestive problems or irritable bowel or whatever it is. What I found during all those years was that the single biggest common denominator for us as human beings, whether we're suffering from depression or anxiety or panic attacks or phobias or some of these physical problems that I talked about, or whether we're just unable to make our life work It's due to our emotional baggage. And that's why I wrote this book, The Emotion Code, that is uh, uh, creating so much excitement really all over the world because people are able to read this book and understand for the first time what emotions really are and how they really affect us and how easy it is to get rid of your emotional baggage. It's, It's a process that is not difficult to do. And... You know, when I say emotional baggage, most of us, I'm, I'm sure, David, you've probably used that phrase at some point Definitely. in your life. You know, we say things like, oh, you know, that guy, I think he's just got a lot of emotional baggage. And when people go through problems, they go through abuse or they go through divorce or they have a difficult work or whatever it is, they end up with emotional baggage. It's true. And we understand that. But for the first time, the emotion code is teaching us that our emotional baggage is something that's real. It's a real thing. And to understand how that baggage can be real, you have to go back to people like Albert Einstein, who taught us that the human body is really nothing but energy. If you get right down to it, we're made of molecules, and molecules are made of atoms. And if you look inside of an atom, you see there's really nothing in there but vast amounts of empty space, and then these little infinitesimally tiny energies that are zipping around at the speed of light. So that is really what we are. That's what you are. That's what all of us are. And so we're beings of pure energy. And it's amazing to think about the fact that each one of us is comprised of an almost countless number of these infinitesimally tiny energies that are all flying in this close formation, keeping us from flying apart and helping us to have this experience that we're having in this world. It's, it's astounding, really, when you think about it. Well, we know that thought is energy, of course. Everything is energy. There isn't anything that exists that is not made of energy. And thoughts are energy, too, and they've proven that. And uh, emotions are also energy. But they're a little different because an emotion vibrates at a certain frequency depending on what emotion that is. So if the emotion is anger... That's a different frequency. That's a different vibration than if the emotion is sadness, okay? And that's different from resentment. And they're all different. Well, when you're feeling an intense emotion, your whole body, your whole being can take on that vibrational energy, that that frequency. And it's during those times when that energy is really powerful that some of that energy can get stuck in the body, So that when that event is over, there's a remnant of that event that is still with you. And we can call that emotional baggage. We refer to it as trapped emotions. And a trapped emotion is literally a ball of energy. It's a vibrating ball of emotional energy that's stuck somewhere in the body. Typically, it's the size of an orange to the size of a cantaloupe. And 
that energy, wherever it lands, it will distort the normal energy field of your body. Now, since that's all your body really is, is an energy field, when you distort that energy field, what you're doing is you're really ultimately distorting the body itself. And so that's why trapped emotions cause so much pain. 90% of the pain that people have is actually due to trapped emotions. That means that 90% of the pain that people have can actually be relieved by releasing their emotional baggage. It's an astonishing thing, and we've seen it over and over. We've been, we've been doing this for 25 years now, and um, it's just amazing. Well, trapped emotions affect us physically, but they also affect us emotionally. So trapped emotions, you can think of a trapped emotion as being like a sword with two edges. In other words, they affect us two ways, emotionally and physically. And the more trapped emotions you have, the more trapped emotions you'll end up creating. Okay? So trapped emotions can cause you to make the wrong assumptions about people or things or events. Uh, They can cause you to overreact and misinterpret behavior. And they can also cause you to short-circuit what might otherwise be perfectly good relationships. They affect us mentally and emotionally. They end up creating depression. In fact, uh, in fact, I've seen people who were suicidally depressed, people who had to literally decide every day when they'd wake up in the morning if that day was going to be the last day of their life, if they were going to take their life that day or not. And I've worked on people who had to make that decision every day for years. And I've seen people that bad get well literally in a matter of days by releasing their emotional baggage. People who suffer from anxiety, it's, it's emotional baggage that causes that. Phobias due to emotional baggage. PTSD. We've seen people who, were, who had come back, for example, from Iraq and Afghanistan with terrible PTSD. And if you think about what the medical profession and what the, what the military does for those people is they just medicate them with all of these crazy drugs that actually help push them towards suicide. And that's part of the reason why the suicide rate is so incredibly high now in the military. It's because of these medications But the reality is that PTSD is caused by their emotional baggage from those events that they went through that were so horrific. By releasing that baggage, I have seen people completely change and completely normalize and become functional again. So so trapped emotions are are such a huge cause. They, they interfere with our organs and tissues and they cause pain, fatigue, and illness. They lower the immune function. And of course, Western medicine doesn't really uh, address them because Western medicine just isn't looking for them. Okay? Right. So. Yeah. It's easy to find trapped emotions and identify them and release them. Uh, it's, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, it's it's very interesting, and I I completely agree with you. It's something personally I've seen firsthand. Uh, my mom is a stage four cancer survivor, and for her, most of her cancer uh, growth and and cause was emotionally driven, uh, and she found that out and learned that over time, and that's why I believe she's alive today was because of that emotional understanding. Uh, but w- what's interesting is that you know we all experience negative emotions, positive emotions. And we all constantly have this stimuli, you know, coming into our lives and our senses are trying to interpret it. Uh, Do you think that there is both negative and positive emotional experiences uh, that impact us negatively? So basically, even something positive 
could impact your emotional body in a negative way. Well, yes. In fact, um, in the um, in the emotion code chart, uh, we have a chart of emotions that we use to find and release these emotions. And most of the emotions are negative, like anger and resentment and frustration and depression and so on. Mm-hmm. There is, however, one emotion that's listed on our chart, and it's called overjoy. And overjoy will pick up any of the any of the overages of positive emotion that have happened to you. I mean, and it can happen. It's not that common. Usually mm-hmm. it's negative stuff. But, but you're, you're pointing out something that's really interesting, and it's very true. If, let's say, for example, um, uh, you, know, you, have a, you have an amazing day where you, you not only are accepted for the job that you've been trying to get for quite a while, and uh, and the girl that you've been dating suddenly says, yes, she will marry you, okay? But you also win the lottery, and it all happens in the same day. You know? <laughs> It'd be pretty hard to deal with. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite an extreme day. It sounds like a great day. Yeah, yeah, really great day. Well, if you have an overabundance of, uh, of, a, of a positive emotion, those can also be imbalancing. Uh, more rare, but it, but it does happen. Usually, by far, uh, the emotions are negative. And, um, so. Or, for example, do you find that, I know for some people, uh, you know, life, maybe that day you discuss, maybe it's not that extreme or intense in such a short period or d- duration of time, but, you know, life is going great and they're on cloud nine and mm-hmm. there's so much positivity. And because of all those positive emotional experiences on a day-to-day basis, for some reason, they, you know, maybe because of uh, some sort of self-sabotage, uh, in, internal belief or something like that, uh, they are kind of magnetically drawn to negative emotions to kind of balance balance their life out, if, if you will. Have you, do you see that at all or is that uncomfortable? Oh, yeah. Well, that, that can happen, yes. And what happens also to people is that um, our trapped emotions will tend to make us uh, sabotage ourselves if things start going too well. Um, it's not uncommon at all. Say, for example, uh, you were really hurt in a relationship. Okay, say you really you fell in love with somebody and you really were deeply in love, and then they dumped you and really hurt you, and you develop some trapped emotions from that. What will tend to happen is when you start to fall in love with somebody else the subconscious mind can short-circuit that relationship because of the emotional energy that's still in your body, um, the pain, essentially, that's still in your body from the other relationship. And the subconscious mind uh, is very, very powerful, and it's in touch with all these energies. And um, so they, they do tend to sabotage things for us. A lot of the time, uh, especially with relationships, uh, trapped emotions will interfere with our ability to create new ones if we've had bad ones in the past. Trapped emotions also, because they radiate their own specific energy and frequency out into the universe, uh, they tend to draw and attract things or people to us that, uh, that are on that sort of level or that frequency. And so this is the reason why um, people sometimes wonder, you know, why do I keep attracting the same kind of person? It's not really the kind of person that I want. <laughs> you know, I keep attracting these dysfunctional people. Well, uh, you remember the movie The Secret in the yeah. book? Mm-hmm. 
Well, that was all about how we attract things into our life with our conscious mind and whatever it is we're consciously thinking about, we can attract those things. And that's really true. The problem, though, is that the conscious mind is only at most maybe 5 or 10% of our intelligence. And so the other 90 to 95% of our intelligence is the subconscious, and that's where these trapped emotions reside, you see. And so they're radiating out their frequencies out into the world, and they're attracting whatever it is to you. And that, one of the reasons why people, a lot of people had a hard time with the secret that it didn't seem to work for them was because they were using... 5% of their intelligence to attract what they wanted, but the other 95% was going a different direction. And mm -hmm. so, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah, so that's why it's so important to get rid of these. And especially if you have a, a heart wall, which you mentioned in the beginning in the bio, um, that will really interfere with your ability to find your soulmate and to create abundance and to manifest uh, the perfect creation that, uh, that's in your heart. Can you, can you talk about that a bit? What is a heart wall exactly? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, the ancient peoples understood the, uh, the heart, and they believed that the heart was the seat of the soul and the source of our creativity and the source of romance and love and everything else and really the core of our being. And in Western medicine, uh, we've never really paid any kind of attention to those old ideas. If anything, we thought that that was just poetic license and that those ancient peoples... They just didn't have the kind of technology that we have today. We know, for example, in the West, that the heart is just a pump. However, guess what? Now we are developing technologies that are enabling us to see that the heart is far more than we ever imagined. It's far more than just a pump. In fact, um, we now have a device called the magnetocardiogram that measures the magnetic field of the heart. And what we find is that the heart puts out a magnetic field that extends up to 12 feet and beyond uh, around the body, 12 feet in diameter, okay? So your heart is putting out this huge magnetic field. It's by far the most powerful organ in the body. And what they have found is that if one person is feeling love or affection for another person, their heartbeat will actually become measurable suddenly in the brain waves of that other person that they're focusing love or affection on. Think about that. It's an astounding thing. And so there's a communication going on between all of us all the time, you know, from heart to heart. And uh, so it's difficult, really. It's, it's hard or really impossible for people to keep things a secret. I mean, uh, that heart is extending out and that energy is being picked up by other people subconsciously and so on. It's kind of like if you think about you ever sat in the back of a meeting that's boring and you're staring at the back of somebody's head just kind of fixated on them and all of a sudden they whirl around and look right at you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird thing. But it's kind of similar to that. There's energy going on that, is, um, that we're transferring all the time. Well, what happens is when we feel like our heart is going to break, the subconscious mind will put up a wall around that heart and... What, the, what this wall is made of, it's made of layers of trapped emotional energies. And so the, uh, the image that always comes to mind for me is the old jawbreaker candies. You know, those huge, hard jawbreaker candies. You suck on it for a while and you take it out. You never know what color it's going to be, right? Mm -hmm. It's made of all these different layers. That's what the heart wall is like. 
It's literally a wall that's put up around the, sub, uh, around the heart by the subconscious mind. Now, the thing about this is um, the heart wall, it's uh, – how to describe this? Well, it's not something that you just know it, that someone has by looking at them. How this came to me, actually, I was not looking for this, but it, it showed up one day. My wife had a dream, and she was asking me to help her decipher her dream. And as I was trying to help her figure out what her dream meant, I suddenly had this, this waking vision where suddenly before me I saw this beautiful hardwood floor. And it was the most beautiful floor that still that I've ever seen in my life. It was absolutely amazing. It was, that's how clear it was. And uh, at the same time that this, this floor appears before me, and this sounds so strange, and it, believe me, this was very strange to me. I, I, I didn't imagine this. It was, suddenly was there. And at the same time that I'm seeing this floor in my mind, I have this understanding that my wife's heart is underneath this floor. And I had n- absolutely no idea what this meant. I told my wife. She had no idea. We prayed and asked for some help. And pretty soon we figured out what was going on, that um, she was born into a very volatile family. Her father was a rageaholic. And by the time she was two years old, she had felt like her heart was going to break enough times that her subconscious mind put up a wall to protect her heart from being totally broken. And it's sort of like, it's sort of like your subconscious mind builds a bomb shelter for your heart to protect your heart. But the problem is, can you imagine living in a bomb shelter for the rest of your life? I mean, that'd be bad. Yeah, it would be bad. And that's exactly what goes on. And that's what was going on with her. See, she had, um, she had paid a price for having this wall. She felt like it was, it was easy for her to feel negative emotions, hard to feel positive ones, hard to feel love. And with people that she had, had been associated with for years and years, she never really felt like she belonged. She always felt like she was on the outside looking in until this wall was taken down completely. And then suddenly she felt like she belonged for the first time. It's an amazing thing. And one of my favorite stories uh, about the emotion code and the heart wall especially, um, is actually in the Emotion Code book, but it was so unforgettable for me. Not long after I discovered this, or this was shown to me, um, there was a woman who came into my office. She was a 38-year-old nurse, and she'd come in because she had neck pain that she'd seen a couple of doctors for that hadn't been able to help her. And uh, as I was talking with her, she told me that she was basically celibate. She was single. She was going to be single the rest of her life. She was going to die single. And she hadn't dated in eight years. And she was dead serious. And I said, well, what happened to you? What, why, are, why do you feel this way? And she said that eight years before, she was in this relationship. She was really deeply in love with this guy who just left and broke her heart. And uh, there were three really powerful emotions that she felt at that time. And those, tra- those emotions became trapped in her body. And they became incorporated into this wall around her heart that she didn't have before. But now suddenly she had this wall. And so I released those three emotions one at a time. And suddenly when we got done with the last one, the heart wall was gone. And suddenly her neck pain was gone. Because a lot of the time people will have stiffness in the neck or uh, tightness and stiffness in the, in the uh, muscles of the uh, upper back when you have a heart wall. So we cleared that. And she felt fine. And she left. And I didn't see her again for three months. When she came back in, I'll always remember this. I said, how are you? You look great. I said, how are you? What's going on? She said, oh, I'm fine. She said, my neck's been great since I was here. But she said, you know what? She said, you cleared that heart wall on me and that really works because 
I found out a couple of weeks after I was here last that my childhood sweetheart has been living right around the corner from me for almost eight years. And we're dating and we're in love. And I think he's going to ask me to marry him. And it was a huge, amazing transformation, right? And um, so what we find is that when this wall is taken down, people are able to fall in love who never, ever thought they would. Uh, people are able to manifest abundance. And um, it's amazing. I, I got a testimonial from a woman named Luana. She says, the relief is unexplainable to the point of shedding tears of joy for the release of carrying such heavy burdens for so many years. What a wonderful feeling of release that I never dreamed would come true. Thank you, thank you. Think about that. Um, Another woman named Lalani wrote in. She said, I now feel, and this woman had really severe uh, social anxiety. It was hard for her to go out uh, and be with crowds especially. She said, I now feel safe inside deeply in my heart, body, and mind. I also feel comfortable in crowds. The deep, deep sadness, anger, and confusion I felt my whole life is gone. Gone, gone, gone. Thank you from the bottom of my now heart wall free heart. Um, and people <laughs> cool. start to manifest. Yeah. It's amazing. And people start to manifest abundance a lot of the times naturally as well. Um, there was a woman uh, from Mexico City named Elena who wrote to me. She, she worked on herself. And you can do that. You can work on yourself. You can clear your own emotions. You don't have to go to anybody. You can do it yourself. But we do have a network of about 1,500 uh, plus certified practitioners around the world in 50 countries. And they can work with you as well. If you're interested in that, you can go to... Uh, Go to our website at healerslibrary.com and just click on the practitioner button. But anyway, she wrote in after working on herself. She said, I'm feeling an awesome difference since I released my heart wall. To begin with, my self-esteem has gone up to the sky. Secondly, I've been having one creative idea after the other. Think about that. Those creative ideas, they come from your heart, not from your brain. I feel the driving force, which seemed to have left me long ago, is back again with a lot of strength. I cannot really express how grateful I am. Uh, to you and to God in the first place that led me to find you in your work. So um, it's, uh, it's, I believe, the most important thing that you can do for yourself. And the reality of it is we find that 93% of people have a heart wall. So if you can think about a time in your life where you felt like your heart was going to break, when you felt that physical sensation, like there's an elephant sitting on my chest or you felt like you were choking because you were so grieved or so sad or someone was hurting you so much. If you can relate to that, you probably have a heart wall. And if you have a heart wall, it's going to interfere with your health, uh, your physical health. If you've been diagnosed with something, the most important thing I believe you can do is get rid of that heart wall because you see the heart is really the core of our being, and it is communicating continually with every beat to every cell in the body. And scientists have now discovered that the brain in your head is obeying the messages sent by the brain in your heart. And mm -hmm. so getting rid of that wall can make such a difference. In fact, I have to tell you, I got, I got an email a few weeks ago from a woman in her 80s. She said that um, she has never had a happy moment that's what she said. Never had a happy moment in her entire life. She's in her middle 80s now. She said that she had her heart wall removed just recently, and now she can't stop smiling. I mean, isn't that amazing? Very cool. 
<laughs> so what can what can someone do specifically? I mean, I'm sure most of our listeners have had experiences in their lives that have led to them, you know, creating unconsciously or subconsciously that heart wall. So what can someone do to begin to break down that barrier and uh, open their heart again and, and heal? Well, the simplest thing to do is to get get yourself a copy of the Emotion Code book. If you want the soft cover book, you can go to Amazon. Uh, Barnes & Noble has it. it. It's available in a lot of different places. Um, I have a special offer for your listeners, though, and that is a free copy of the Emotion Code ebook. Okay, And this is a limited offer. This is worth about, um, I think, about $67 or something. Um, if you were to buy all of, if you were to buy the Emotion Code ebook and the Emotion Code audio MP3, so you can listen to the book. If you were to go and buy those on our website, it would be I think about sixty-seven dollars. But for your listeners, I want to give this to them for free. Okay, so I'd like to give you the Emotion Code ebook. I want to give you the Emotion Code on audio as well. Okay, uh, this is a limited offer, so you should do this right away. There's a website you can go to. It's totally free, no strings attached. Go to emotioncodegift.com. This is my gift to you. So you can start reading this uh, even if you have no money. Okay, doesn't matter. You can go there. You can download it. And you can actually start to understand more about how this works. And in the book, we teach you how to find these emotions and how to release these and how to find and release your heart wall if you have one. And... Um, so that's the website, emotioncodegift.com. Totally free, no strings attached. Go there, get it. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You bet. Uh, so there's, there's something interesting I read in your book, and you talk a bit about how specific negative emotions uh, are tied to specific organs. Can you talk a little bit about that? And is that, do you have an example for that? And is that maybe a way to self-diagnose ourselves and understanding our, our emotional, physical body better? Well, um, Yes, let me explain it. Here's what happens. Um, anciently, uh, in, in the Orient, okay, or in the, in the Eastern uh, Asian countries, uh, where they were working with acupuncture and developing those ideas and those concepts, what they did is they, they did a lot of observation of people for hundreds and hundreds and really thousands of years. And what they found is that people who had certain emotions that were predominant in their lives. People whose lives, for example, who uh, were ruled by anger tended to have problems with the liver and the gallbladder. Okay? People whose lives were ruled by fear seemed to have problems with the kidneys. And people whose lives were ruled by grief tended to have problems with the lungs. And so... So what we do is uh, we use this ancient understanding. In fact, by the way, uh, uh, thousands of years ago, they figured out and believed that the emotions we experience are actually produced by the organs in the body. And that might sound strange because we, in, in the West, we are so stuck in the brain. We think the brain is the end all and be all and that nothing happens outside the brain. But believe me, uh, the organs of the body have a lot to do with those emotions. Here's an example. If you think about somebody who goes out and starts drinking alcohol, uh, well, when they're drinking alcohol, the liver is working furiously to detoxify that alcohol, to break that alcohol down. It's very easy to overstimulate the liver. 
When they overstimulate the liver, the liver starts to produce the emotions that the liver produces. And the number one emotion that the liver generates, the frequency that the liver generates, is anger. Okay? Anger, resentment. Uh, so if you think about those emotions, uh, doesn't that kind of fit people who, who get dr- drunk? Yeah. Very interesting. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's the angry drunk syndrome. Well, mm-hmm. why are they getting so angry? Well, they're totally overloading their liver. Now think about, uh, you know, one of the examples that we talk about in the book is, uh, it has to do with the lungs. If you think about, um, think about Dana Reeve, for example. Christopher Reeve, we all remember him, the movie actor, um, made a quadriplegic from a terrible accident. He was thrown off of a horse. And um, his wife, Dana, stood by him and uh, was, was an amazing example, uh, I think, for everyone uh, in the role that she played in ha- trying to help him. And eventually he died. Well, uh, within about a year after he died, she was diagnosed with lung cancer. And people said, well, she must be a smoker. Well, no, she wasn't a smoker. And people said, oh, well, she must have been around secondhand smoke. No, she wasn't. But guess what emotion the lung produces? Primarily grief. And so what happened with her was I think there was, there was so much grief going on in her life um, that, uh, you know, I mean, think about it. She, she was living this perfect storybook life probably. You know, great, great husband, really handsome. They looked like a really, uh, just like the perfect couple. They had beautiful kids. And then this terrible accident happens. And think of all the grief she must have had. Well, about a year later, she died. And so, so the, the organs produce these emotions. And um, when an organ produces a frequency and produces an emotion, that emotional energy can lodge anywhere in the body. But, um, but there is that connection that we look at. Okay? So, um, so yes, if you're having a problem with a certain organ, you might want to get a copy of the emotion code chart and just look at those emotions and see what kind of a role those emotions have been playing in your life. And it may be that you've been choosing some of those emotions to deal with life, and you might have been hurting yourself by doing that. Right. Great point. That's interesting. And, and as far as the you know, negative emotions are concerned, anger, grief, and, and sadness and whatnot, do you find that the liver or the kidneys produce an inverse emotion, a positive emotion as well, or do you feel that the, that's mainly the heart's job? Well, yeah, they, they do also produce positive emotions. And um, for, so, for example, uh, the heart, all of those emotions that we think of as, uh, as coming from the heart, the, the emotions that you think of when you're in love and you're in a great relationship and you're really feeling joy, the highest ones come from the heart, in my opinion, there are other emotions, though. For example, um, the emotion of compassion tends to come from uh, the intestines. Okay, and uh, so it's interesting. Uh, absolutely, there are positive emotions that are produced as well by the by the different organs. Hmm. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. You also talked about in your book, the Emotion Code, how every cancer patient has trapped emotions in that specific tissue. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a bit about that in, in your experience and and seeing that in your work? Absolutely. Well, um, what, what I have found is that uh, cancer is... Now, of course, if you think about Western medicine, what do we do with cancer? Okay. Well, chemotherapy, which almost kills the body but weakens the cancer tissues a little more and so they die, hopefully. Uh, radiation, same kind of approach. But um, 
what I what I believe causes cancer are um, there's actually a mnemonic that I use uh, E P I T so E pit okay and E is for emotions there's always emotional baggage there and then the other three are variable okay um, the next one P is parasites parasites are actually pretty common uh, a lot more common than you would think about 85% of the population has some kind of a parasite and then they can definitely be a trigger for cancer and other problems as well. Uh, so it's EPIT. The I stands for infection, and that can be mold or fungal infection, bacterial, viral, etc. Um, and then the last thing is toxicity. And toxicity can be anything from heavy metal poisoning. It can be from the mercury that's in the fillings in your teeth to pesticides that you picked up when you were spraying the garden 20 years ago. Uh, it can be herbicides from when you worked on the farm. It can be uh, the, the chemicals that are in the, the antiperspirants that you use. It can be uh, food additives. Uh, it can be chemicals that you're getting in the, in the food that you're, that you're eating and so on. So, um, so those are the things that, in my experience, are the real true underlying causes of cancer, okay? So, again, those are emotions, parasites, infections, and toxins. And what I found is uh, when people would come in to see me who were dealing with cancer, uh, I always made it a point to tell them that I don't treat cancer, okay? I don't make any claims to cure cancer. The emotion code is not about really treating any kind of disease at all, um, and neither really is the body code, but, um, which is another self-study course that, uh, that I've created. But, but the reality of it is um, the work that I've created is really just about finding the underlying imbalances that have actually led to the creation of this symptom, whatever it is. And I mean, if you've got cancer, uh, it's, believe it or not, it's a, a natural response by the body to something that's going on inside. And what you need to do is you need to find uh, a doctor or a practitioner who can work with you and figure out what those underlying causes are. And so... Um, so yes, every case of cancer that I've seen in 25 years always has had emotional baggage. That's the one consistent thing that we always find. And if you think about it, uh, you've probably, David, I'm sure you've probably heard stories, probably somebody that you know, maybe at a distance, who lost their husband or lost their wife, and then within another year or two, oh boy, guess what? They've got cancer, and then pretty soon they're gone as well. You've probably heard of that happening. Yep, yep, definitely. Yeah, I think we all have. And, and so, um, so yes, it's, it's one of those things that we, uh, we absolutely see. And the interesting thing about our trapped emotions is that we're not aware, generally, of, uh, of what our baggage uh, has been created by. And sometimes we are. I mean, if you were abused or you went through a divorce, you can pretty well bet that there's emotional baggage from those events. But sometimes there are other events that we forget completely about. And, um, and sometimes we're just totally unaware of those. Um, as an example, I remember uh, I, was at a, uh, I was at a workshop once and I had a young woman come up out of the audience. She was, I think, about 21 or 22 years old. And I asked her, uh, her subconscious mind, we use muscle testing uh, to figure out what these trapped emotions are. So I had her hold out her arm, and then I started asking questions, and her subconscious mind would respond with either strength for yes or weakness for no. And so, uh, 
I asked if she had a trapped emotion. The answer came back very strong, yes. Traced it back when it occurred. Uh, it was earlier than 10 years old, earlier than five years old. It was actually, I got a strong answer on sometime in the first year of her life. And, and then I look at the list and we figured out what the emotion was. The emotion was forlorn, which is feeling hopeless and, and helpless. And, uh, and I asked her if she had any idea what that was about. She had no idea, of course. She was only you know, in the first year of her life. She was a baby. And I looked out at the audience and I had happened to meet this woman, uh, this girl, and her mother at the beginning of this event. And I looked out and there was her mother and she was as white as a sheet. And she had her hands covering her mouth and nose, and her eyes were kind of big. And I, I said, do you have any idea what this might have been? And she was really embarrassed, but she said that uh, back in those days, she used to use cloth diapers. And she said that one day, she accidentally pinned her daughter to her diaper. So the mm. pin was put right through her skin. And she didn't know it until she changed her the next time. So she must have really been overwhelmed and... And so this poor little girl, I'm sure, cried and cried until she got changed the next time. And then her mother found to her horror what had happened. Well, that developed a trapped emotion that got stuck in this little baby's body. Now this little baby has grown up to be a young woman. She's 21 years old. I released the emotion, which literally just took seconds. And then she went back and sat down. And I kind of forgot about it. And about 10 days later, I got an email from this girl's mother. And she said... My daughter Jessica has had this problem that she didn't tell you about uh, with, her, with her, uh, her hip and her knee. And she's had pain in her hip and her knee. Uh, started about eight, when she, I think when she was around eight years old, and it's been getting worse and worse gradually, and it's affecting the way she walks. And nobody's been able to fix it, but she said, the moment you release that emotion from her, that it's gone. And she's able to walk normally, completely. There's no pain. And not only that, she feels this sense of lightness of being that she's never felt before. She's telling everybody about this. And so, you see, we can have emotional baggage that we don't even remember. In fact, it's possible to pick up emotions, uh, emotional baggage, when you're in the womb from mom or dad. It's very possible. It's also possible to get emotional baggage from your ancestors. And at the moment of conception, you can receive some emotional energy that's transmitted to you from your mom or from your dad that they might have gotten at their moment of conception from their mom or dad. And it may go back generations. And so you may be being affected now in certain ways. You may wonder why you can't make life work and why you can't figure out uh, how to make money better or how you are having a hard time really connecting with people or finding love or whatever it is, or maybe you've got some kind of physical problem. And it may be that part of that is actually due to some emotional baggage that's been passed down to you. And that's one of the most powerful aspects of the emotion code. Because I'll tell you something, David, there are other methods of finding and removing emotional baggage. But the emotion code is unique in that we're able to ask the subconscious mind and it can tell us even about something that was inherited from 10 or 20 generations ago that is now affecting you. And I've seen it and I've experienced it in my own life, in fact. Um, one of the most profound healing experiences that I've had in my life was when uh, my daughter released an inherited emotion of hopelessness from me that I'd gotten from a grandmother of mine on my father's side that went back 22 generations, back to the we figure 
the 1500s at some point. And when my daughter was working on me, she was working on me at a distance, and that's how this work can be done at a distance or in person. She actually suddenly could feel the presence of this grandmother standing right next to her, and she could feel her emotions. She could feel how desperate she was to have this energy released from her posterity, and she could feel how overwhelmed with gratitude she was that this was being done. That experience, having that inherited emotion released from me, changed my life because I had battled that background feeling all my life. I never even knew that it was there until Mm -hmm. suddenly it was released, and it was like the silence was deafening. It was amazing. And so um, how much baggage are we carrying around? from our own lives and from our ancestors, and how long do you want to carry this baggage? I mean, you can think about the average person as carrying around, dragging behind them a steamer trunk full of rocks and some Samsonite suitcases that are on their sides, and they're full of rocks too. And it's no wonder people have low energy and why people are having a hard time figuring out their life. And we think it's all about our brain. And so we go to these courses and we we buy CDs and DVDs and we study and we try to overcome all of this inertia when in reality it's so simple. We can cut ourselves loose from our emotional baggage and it's amazing the difference that that can make. Yeah, that's interesting too because the the generational patterns that we a lot of times carry on can be can easily that can easily make sense that the uh, the emotions linked to that are generational and they're just passed down, you know, unconsciously and, and uh, from generation to generation. Uh, you talk in your book about magnetic field deficiency syndrome, MFDS, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and how magnets can be kind of a powerful tool for uh, releasing trapped emotions. Can you talk a little bit about that? And then after you share that, I actually have something to share with my experience with magnets uh, as well. Oh, okay, absolutely. Well, um, yes, back in the... Uh Back in the early 90s, uh, I was introduced to uh, the magnets that were made by a company called Nikken, N-I-K-K-E-N, a Japanese company. And uh, I found that I had amazing results with people in my practice, that uh, people who were in pain, I could use these magnets and it would help to take away their pain. And uh, I found that, uh, that these magnets actually seemed to speed up the rate of healing in tissues I had a lot of really amazing experiences with them. And it was because of that company, Niken, that I was able to actually figure out how magnets can be used to release emotional baggage. And um, now we know that you don't actually have to use a magnet to release emotional baggage. You can actually use your fingertips if you don't have a magnet. And we've also found that any magnet will work to release emotional baggage. You can use a refrigerator magnet. That will work. You can use your fingertips. You can use uh, a magnet made by Niken. I still use their magnets. I think they're you know, the most advanced magnets for healing that are, uh, that are available on the planet. But I've seen a lot of amazing things. In fact, I'll tell you something. I found that these magnets, the Niken magnets, were so powerful that uh, after using them for a couple of months, I had a, a room in my clinic uh, it was a room full of therapy equipment. We had, uh, uh, oh, we had all kinds of things. We had different kinds of ultrasound and different kinds of shortwave diathermy and lots of different things that doctors use to help people to speed up healing, hopefully, and to help people not have symptoms. And um, I had about forty or $50,000 worth of equipment in this room. And after using the magnets for a couple of months, I called my, uh, 
I called my equipment vendor and I said, I want you to come and take all of this stuff out of this room of mine and sell it. And I don't care how much you get for it. Just come and get it and get it out of here. And uh, because I found that I could sell uh, a client uh, or a patient uh, one of the Nikon magnets that they could use and have it forever. And so it cost it cost dramatically less for them or for their insurance company. And yet uh, now they had something that they could use anytime. They had, it was a form of therapy, really. And it worked better than anything that I had. So, uh, and, and yes, when you mentioned magnetic field deficiency syndrome, that was a phrase that was coined in Japan. And they found that um, people can become deficient in their magnetic field, just like they can become deficient in vitamin C or anything else. And so if you become deficient in that magnetic field, you can use magnets uh, like the Nikon magnets. They make insoles and, uh, and other kinds of magnets to help replenish that magnetic field. And I'll tell you, people have had a lot of amazing successes just by putting those magnets on their body. So um, you can go to Google and you can look up Nikon, N-I-K-K-E-N, and maybe put in the word testimonial or something. And you'll see all kinds of amazing stuff. I saw amazing things happen in my own practice. Um, I've seen uh, three different people whose toes were going to need to be amputated because of diabetes, whose toes were saved by wearing the insoles in their shoes. Uh, I had a a patient one time who had fallen off of a ladder and landed on her thigh and had the biggest bruise uh, on her thigh that I've ever seen. It was a size bigger than a dinner plate. And uh, she said, Dr. Nelson, what am I going to do? This is going to be it's ugly and it's going to turn green and yellow and it's going to be there for a long time. And I said, well, here's a magnet. And I grabbed uh, one of the Niken magnets made this designed for the low back. And she put it on this bruise. And I said, I said, just leave it in place and uh, leave it on all night long. Come in tomorrow and let's see. She came in the next day and where that magnet had been was completely normal skin. And all around it was this little ring of the bruise that was left. It was amazing. Hmm. Um, so I can tell you stories for a long time about their, their magnets. Yeah, do you know what causes the magnetic uh, deficiency, essentially? Well, first of all, the magnetic field of the Earth is weaker now than it was uh, 100 years ago. But beyond that, uh, our grandparents were much more in touch with the soil than we are. And so we live in homes and we drive in cars that are insulated from the soil and from the Earth. And so we are... We're just not as uh, we're not getting as much magnetic field uh, from the Earth as we should be. We're not as grounded right. as we should be, right. and so, um, so, you know, I mean, if if you go out every day and you walk barefoot in the in the soil or on the sand or something on the beach, then um, it helps actually to alleviate that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then of course there are magnets too. Uh, if you if you're suffering from magnetic field deficiency syndrome. Uh, and we, I think we talk in the book about how you can diagnose that. It's, it's actually really simple. Um, you can get a magnet from them, or you can uh, you can put a uh, get a magnet off your fridge and put it in your pocket, and you know, and it actually helps. It's a strange thing, but uh, but it really does uh, seem to work. Yeah, it's, and it's, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say that that's all I've ever really cared about is what works. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, too, because I actually I used to read meters for a, uh, an electrical company, and I wore shoes, and I had a pair of insoles, 
Uh, and over time, my knees just started to hurt, and they, it could have, you know, I'm sure there was some trapped emotions linked to that, but also I'm sure there was uh, nutritional deficiencies because at the time, you know, I was eating TV dinners and uh, potato chips, so <laughs> I didn't have a, a healthy diet. But uh, the pain got so bad to the point where I just quit my job one day, and I wanted to quit my job anyway, so that was another motivating factor. But uh, one of my mom's friends, who's a holistic practitioner, uh, recommended this magnetic knee bracelet, and I was like, okay, I'll try it out. You know, I've had even after the job, I still had knee pain. And I started using the bracelet and or the the um, brace, if you will, magnetic brace, and my knee pain completely went away. And it was worse in my right knee than my left knee, but I had pain in both knees. And just mm-hmm. using that magnetic brace completely, really got rid of all the pain. And I really didn't do anything, uh, you know, emotional release or diet changes or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so firsthand, I've seen how powerful they. And also, I've actually. I slept on a, a Nikon magnetic like mat, and that that thing is amazing. Mm-hmm. I, it's pretty incredible what, what that can do. Um, there's one more thing I want to talk about, and uh, it, I just found it really interesting. I think our listeners will find it really interesting. You mentioned in your book about a study about radioactive isotopes, uh, a study in how they were found in acupuncture meridians. Can you talk a bit about that and how that kind of scientifically validates a lot of the things we've talked about? Oh, sure, yeah. Well, back in, um, oh, let's see. I'm trying to remember exactly when this was. There was a, uh, there was a scientist. His name was uh, De Ross. It was actually, um, his name was Jean-Claude De Ross. And what he did is he injected a radioactive isotope. Um, in fact, it was, uh, it was called Tech 99 or Technetium 99, what he would do is he would he would inject this radioactive isotope into acupuncture points, okay, and and then non-acupuncture points. And radioactive isotopes like this emit this low-level radiation that then you can actually uh, take an image of it. Well, actually, you can you can basically photograph this because they're giving off this energy. And um, uh, radioactive isotopes are used uh, pretty widely used in medicine and and uh, uh, they're, they're, it sounds scary because it's radioactive, but they're very short-lived. Okay? They have a very short half-life. They expire really fast. But anyway, what he found um, was that uh, when he would inject this radioactive isotope into acupuncture points, uh, the radioactive isotope would, f- the isotopes would flow along the meridians that had been mapped out, uh, that really were mapped out 5,000 years ago. And uh, so when he would inject uh, the radioactive isotope into um, a non-acupuncture point on the surface of the body, uh, it would just diffuse away in no specific sort of a pattern. So in other words, that was a way of, of really verifying and, and proving that those acupuncture meridians uh, are real. And I mean, if you think about it, acupuncture, for example, has been around for 5,000 years. I mean, they've unearthed acupuncture maps that match the acupuncture maps they use now uh, that date back to 3,000 years before the birth of Christ. That's pretty amazing. And so if you think about it, uh, would acupuncture still be around if it didn't work? And clearly the answer is no. I know that there are, there are people, less and less all the time, who believe that acupuncture has no basis in science or medicine, but 
It definitely does. It's just a higher order of medicine or a higher order of science than what, uh, than what Western medicine is used to. Okay. And it's understanding the quantum body, really. It's understanding the, uh, uh, the energy field of the body itself and how it all works. So, yeah, those were some very interesting, uh, interesting studies that were done. I don't know exactly when that was, but um, sometime within the last, I think, maybe 40 or 50 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting nonetheless and has a lot of merit uh, into the you know, energetic body and, and how our body uh, flows and you know, how everything's kind of connected and everything. It's not as stagnant, basically, as what we have been told by uh, allopathic medicine. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Uh, Dr. Nelson. I want to ask you uh, mm-hmm. to leave our listeners with your top three tips for, for health and wellness. It can be anything related to emotional health or physical or spiritual health. What practices in your life would you uh, recommend our listeners engage in to live a healthier and happier, more fulfilled life? Well, that's a great question. Um, I think, I think the, the, the first thing that's important is to be aware of the emotions that you're choosing, okay? Be aware of the emotions you're choosing. We have a tendency to think that our emotions choose us and that if something happens, we have no choice but to feel angry or to feel resentful or whatever it is. But the reality is that no matter what happens, we choose the emotion. And so that's something that can really, I believe, it can take a lifetime to really master that because... Um, the natural tendency of man uh, is to let emotions choose us. But we choose our emotions. So that's the first thing. Be aware of what you're choosing because if you allow yourself to get really upset about something and choose a really negative emotion, that emotion may become trapped in your body and it may not manifest as a problem tomorrow or the next day, but maybe in 10 years or maybe in 20 years, it can develop into something that you really don't want to have to deal with. So getting rid of that emotional baggage is really important. And that's really the next tip is get rid of the emotional baggage that you have. Get that heart wall taken down. Go to emotioncodegift.com. Download the book for free. You, You can have it just in a matter of seconds. You can start reading it and understanding this. And what's driving the, the worldwide phenomenon, really, of the emotion code and why this is growing so fast is because that's what people do. They get the book, they buy the book uh, on Amazon or somewhere else or at their bookstore, or they get it free from me on one of these calls like this, and they, they start reading it and trying it out and practicing it, and suddenly they find out, oh, my gosh, this actually works. And then they, then they start uh, telling their friends about it, and they buy books for their friends and and so that's kind of what's driving this is this organic growth. So that's the next thing. First thing, beware of your emotions that you're choosing. Number two, get rid of your emotional baggage because it's holding you back. And, you know, as far as we know, we have this one time here. We're here right now. And we need to maximize our life. We need to have as much love. We need to experience as much success and as much joy and abundance as we possibly can. And I'm telling you, you got to believe me. It's your emotional baggage that is holding you back. So that's number two. Get rid of your emotional baggage. Get rid of your heart wall. And then the last one might be surprising to you, but the last one is to pray. Because what I have found in my own life 
is that, first of all, there would not be an emotion code if it hadn't been for me asking. And there's an ancient scripture, actually the words of Christ, who said, ask and ye shall receive and knock and it shall be opened to you. And I've proven in my own life that that is absolutely true. If you ask for God's help or the higher power or your source energy, call it whatever you want, if you ask for help, you will get help. And what I've found is that you may not get that help right in that very moment. But with the pers- if you continue to ask for help, uh, when a few months or a few years go by and you look back at your life, you suddenly realize how you have received that help all along and it's an astounding thing. So those are the three things, okay? Um, choose your emotions wisely. Get rid of your emotions. Get rid of your trapped emotions. Get rid of your heart wall. And then the last thing is pray. Ask for help. And those are the three best tips I can give you. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Where can our listeners find you and learn more about your work online? What are your websites and social media properties? Well, if you go, um, we are on, uh, oh, let's see here. We're on Facebook. If you go to facebook.com forward slash healers library or facebook.com forward slash Dr. Bradley Nelson, which is just D-R-B-R-A-D-L-E-Y-N-E-L-S-O-N, either one of those sites. Uh, we have some other sites also. Uh, we have drbradleynelson.com, D-R-B-R-A-D-L-E-Y-N-E-L-S-O-N.com. We also have uh, healers library, H-E-A-L-E-R-S library.com. And you can go to Healer's Library and you can click on the practitioner button and you can actually find uh, a practitioner that can work with you. We have staff practitioners. We've got uh, uh, over 1,500 practitioners now in over 50 countries. And uh, again, one of the great things about the emotion code is that uh, it can be done at any distance. So the person that might be just the right fit for you to give you some help might be in Australia or New Zealand or maybe in South America or in Singapore. So, awesome. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> Thanks, well, thank, David. Thank you so much for your time. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye.